comes to finding my Zen, I choose X Nanovision. They are on a mission to be the best and cheapest CBD retailer in the USA. X Nanovision is a health and wellness brand that offers affordable and high quality CBD products, such as oils, edibles, pre-rolls, vape and beauty items, and more. One of my personal favorites is the Indica Dreams Hemp Flower Low-Key CBG Pre-Roll. With hints of floral and woodsy aromas, this sativa strain is perfect for daytime use. X Nanovision is committed to bring you the best CBD products on the market. With no additives, the pre-rolls are 100% safe, organic, and hemp-derived to protect your lungs from harmful pesticides so that you can get all the whole plant benefits with full-spectrum CBD and CBG. Absorb the natural goodness by checking out X Nanovision today at www.xnanovision.com and use coupon code Lauren M. Coletti for 10% off your total purchase. That's Lauren M. Coletti for a 10% discount at www.xnanovision.com. I'm really excited to jump into this interview tonight. I am joined by Sarah Rosen. She is a licensed clinical social worker and sex therapist. Sarah, can you say hi to our audience today? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, I'm stoked to have you on. I absolutely love the work that you're doing and your Instagram page is so sex positive and affirming. So I'd love for you to kind of introduce who you are, what kind of work you do and how you got into this line of work. Cause it's a very um, specific line of work that takes a specific kind of person. It is, it is. Thank you so much. So how I got started in sex therapy, I started when I was very young. I knew when I was a teenager that I wanted to be a sex therapist. I was very aware of Dr. Ruth and uh, Dr. Sue Johansson, Sex Talk with Sue. All, I was influenced by all of those things. Um, I went to an all-girls Catholic school. I had abstinence-only sex education, but I kind of had this experience where I was like, what? what's the what's this issue they're all missing out if they think that we shouldn't be having sex before marriage like that sucks for them <laughs> and I just really wanted to explore this idea um I started working at a sex store when I was 18 and mm. that's what really solidified for me that I wanted to be a sex therapist because it was a feminist sex store it's still around Eve's Garden in New York City and a lot of older women would come in women would say, you know, I've been married for 30 years. I've never had an orgasm. I'm ready to explore. We would bring out the diagrams and really just getting an understanding of how difficult it is for women to talk about their own arousal, their own erotic thoughts, understanding what makes them orgasm. And I just knew this is what I want to do forever. I just want to help the whole world orgasm. So (laughs) in a way I am doing that, which feels great. Wow. I love that. That's so fun. I actually tried to apply to a sex store called Expressions here in New York. Numerous mm-hmm. times it was my dream job. They never hired me, but nonetheless, um, I really love the whole field of sex therapy. And I can imagine that that was really insightful and eye-opening to work at such a store. Yes. Yes. Wow. I'm sorry to hear that about Expressions, but I, I think that I think you're okay. Wasn't meant to be. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They have some interesting things there, a little more of the the novelty toys. Yes, they do. 
It's, it's definitely so when we talk about novelty and people hear the word kink or BDSM, I think 50 shades of gray in like 2015 kind of brought that out into the open. What do people mean by kink or BDSM? Can you dive a little bit more into that? And what are some common myths around that? Yeah. So kink is typically defined as any non-normative sexual act. So that really opens us up to a lot of interpretation here because kink can mean different things for different people. For some people, doing it doggy style is super kinky. For some people, I mean, getting strapped up in a gangbang is really kind of a vanilla experience for them. It's really all relative to what feels right for you. So kink is so customizable. I think that when people are trying to explore kinky sex, they, they can kind of get a little bit intimidated. Well, I don't have these tools. I don't know about this. I don't have this experience, but kink is for everyone. You can start slow. There are so many guides out there, but it really is such an inclusive world. Yeah, for sure. And another common, um, I think another common theme or subject that people have a lot of judgments or stereotypes around is polyamory and open relationships. So what are some stigmas that people make assumptions about that are not often correct when it comes to open relationships and polyamory? Oh boy, I love talking about non-monogamy and polyamory. It is so misunderstood, but it really can be such a wonderful relationship tool. Uh, so there's this idea in polyamory and non-monogamy that there's that your partner is not enough. You need more. Um, but I think about it like, I so I have two I have two dogs. I recently got a kitten. She's super cute. She's a lot of work, but worth it. She's the best. <laughs> um, I didn't find myself loving any of my dogs any less. I have the same loving relationship with all of my pets. I just have a little bit more love now. And polyamory really does work the same way. And there are sometimes, I have couples where, I'll give you an example. I had a woman who she just did not like to give blowjobs. It was painful for her. She she wanted to please her partner, but it was just uncomfortable. So they tried polyamory. He was able to get, you know, the deep throat sensation from another woman. So she felt like she was able to provide that for him. And she felt really happy for his happiness. And that really impacted the relationship in a really positive way. I love that. How is that? And I do find a lot of people, um, and most non-monogamous folks are people that have been together for a long time. I think that after the novelty of being together, the novelty of monogamous sex wears off, you look for something a little bit different, which is not a bad thing. Our, our sex lives change over time with new experiences, but I, will, I find that for some folks, they will sleep with other people. They'll really enjoy that confidence boost, that just being sought after, and then they'll come back to their partner and have the best sex ever with their partners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you said, it's so, it's so individual and unique for everyone because a common, um, I guess, misconception I hear all the time is that it's just an excuse to cheat or have your cake and eat it too. I'm like, why shouldn't we have our cake and eat it too, first of all? But like, second of all, it's so different for everyone. It looks different in every relationship and it's not for everyone, but neither is monogamy. So just have an open mind, you know? Yes. And I think there are a lot of people who are in monogamous relationships 
who they, they have just not been exposed to non-monogamy and they don't really realize that there is a relationship structure out there for them. Yeah. Yeah, we've only been subscribed to one way here, specifically, you know, in the 21st century in the United States, we're only told that there's this one way. And if you don't do it, you're a failure or you're wrong or you're a cheater and a terrible person. And it's just a lot of shame surrounding that. Yes, cheating and non-monogamy are very different things. Everything is discussed in a non-monogamous relationship. Yeah. Everything is discussed and yes, there's the communication is there, uh, which brings a lot of couples to sex therapy because they're not easy conversations to have, especially for the person who first brings up opening the relationship. You risk the, you risk your partner feeling as though they're not enough. It could be a really explosive reaction at times. So working with a mediator, with a sex therapist, someone who is experienced in working with non-monogamy and who is non-judgmental can really help to give a couple of those communication tools. I love that. And when talking about sex therapy, who is a good candidate for sex therapy? What kind of clients do you see and what are some really common um, issues or problems that people experience when they come to see you? Sex therapy is for anyone who wants it. But I will tell you what I see most often, I work with a lot of erectile dysfunction, which I love. I love erectile dysfunction. It's usually something that's very psychological and therefore resolvable. So a lot of guys will go right to Viagra to their urologist when oftentimes it's just talking out their problems and really processing their relationship with their bodies. I see a lot of women who have difficulty orgasming. And a lot of that is the lack of education, the taboo of talking about masturbation, even with our friends. If women were able to talk about sex and masturbation the way that men do, the way that it's normalized among you know, group, groups of guy friends, we'd, we'd be finding our clearances a lot earlier in life. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, <Sorry. laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I work with a lot of couples with desire discrepancies. One person wants sex more often than the other. That's a really difficult one, but that's a very, very common one. But you know, like no two people have the same exact appetite. No two people have the same exact bedtime. No two people are going to have the same exact sex drive. Mm, I love that. Thank you for touching on that. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like in couples might be a little bit different than someone coming to sex therapy alone for let's say erectile dysfunction, but that can manifest in a relationship too. So it's really important to look at all of these and they're all so complex, but they're also interconnected at the same time. Yes. And if someone is in a relationship, if one partner is experiencing any kind of sexual dysfunction, it's a couple's issue. I, I do see men, they'll say, well, my wife sent me here. She's really angry about this problem and she doesn't want to talk about it until I'm fixed. And then I come back to her and I'm rock hard and I'm ready to go. And it just doesn't work that way. We always have to bring that partner in because oftentimes with erectile dysfunction, you have an issue one time and the next time you have so much pressure on yourself, your partner takes it very personal. They tell you that you're not, they're not a you're not attracted to them. And then there's so much pressure and penises just don't work very well under pressure. <laughs> true. That's so Most true. Genitals do not. Oh my gosh. Yes. You're preaching to the choir. I think that I get so sad when I see couples or just people that one person in the relationship is in therapy 
and feels the need, oh, I need to be fixed. Something's wrong with me. I'm broken. I'm damaged. And they're going to therapy and the other person in the relationship's like, I'm fine. I'm perfect. I don't need therapy. I feel like there's such a discrepancy there. Oh, there absolutely is. I, I And I think to tell your partner, you need therapy and I don't, I mean, it probably makes them feel, it definitely makes them feel very isolated from you. Yeah, for sure. That definitely doesn't help the the safety. And I think a lot of, a lot with sex is feeling safe and having, you know, that emotional intimacy connection for couples, at least, you know, not all the time, but feeling safe with your partner is so crucial because then you can relax, you can be vulnerable and willing to receive. Yes. And willing to get a little weird and creative if that's what you're into. Yes. (laughs) It's so hard to talk about those things. I have a lot of couples also who only talk about sex while they're having sex. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to talk about sex outside of the bedroom. And it doesn't have to be this big talk every time. There can be like little maintenance sexuality discussions. Maybe you can debrief afterwards and say, I really, really like this. I didn't think I would like this so much. Or, you know what? This really isn't doing it for me anymore. It's so important to be able to talk about how your sexuality is changing over time with your partner because it will and that's normal. Mm, I love that. When it comes to communication, what would you suggest for someone that's trying to talk to their partner about sex, but they're not receptive or open to be willing to talk about it with their partner? If you are if you are talking to your partner and you let them know, I want to talk to you about something that's going to feel very vulnerable. I'm nervous to talk to you about this. If your partner still has an aggressive response or shuts you out, that's indicative of a bigger issue in that relationship. So a lot of times set yourself up for success by by being honest. Let them know, I'm scared to have this conversation with you. I need you to be gentle with me right now. Mm, Yeah. And seeing how they respond. And like you said, if they're passive aggressive or they stonewall you, that might be indicative that something bigger is going on as well. Yes. Yes. That reminds me of the the kink or fetish talk when a client will let their partner know that they like feet or golden showers. Those are probably two of the most common ones I hear about. And this, if their partner doesn't understand, sometimes you know, it's, it's okay for not into what your partner likes, but you got to be able to take a step back and say, okay, I need to do more research on this. I don't totally understand, but let me hear you out. But as soon as you yuck someone's yum, you just isolate them from you. And that's honestly how a lot of cheating does happen. If you make someone feel very insecure about their own kinks, their own fetishes, they will likely seek that out elsewhere in a more affirming way. Mm, that's so true. Can we kind of touch on that real quick? I I talk a lot about cheating on my show because I have cheated in relationships. And um, what do you it think happens. of some of the, yes, it does happen. And I would love to hear from your clinical perspective when people come into couples therapy because one partner, uh, there was infidelity. What are some of the reasons, some of the common reasons, and how do you think people can work through that if they so choose? Yeah, some of the reasons are are very basic in that I was drunk and horny, this person (laughs) was there, and there's not much of a love connection to it. Sometimes it's the person at work that they've been seeing for a long time, Uh, they, they feel more 
they feel more seen or appreciated by them. But a lot of times what leads people to cheating is the fantasy of being with that person. Like maybe the person who you're sneaking around with at work, that's not the person that you want to sit down and, and do bills with and write out your will with, you know, you're kind of imagining what your life would be like with that person. Yeah. The cheating is fantasy. Mm, yeah. And when it comes to fantasy and fetishes, for example, I know a lot of people confuse kink and fetishes. Can you kind of clarify the difference? Yes. So if you ask five different people what kings and fetishes are, you will get five different answers. So much of it is open to interpretation. I look at kink as the action and fetish as the attraction too. And typically a fetish is something that's necessary for arousal. And people will fight me with on this. People will argue with me on this and that's okay. But I find that even if someone expresses they don't need that fetish in order to get off that they don't need it present they are usually thinking about it so it is present in some way whether it's physical whether it's mental very interesting. So the action and the attraction too but they are both non-normative sexual behaviors and attractions yeah. and non-normative does not mean bad yes i'm like what is normative like why do we why is that still a thing like <laughs> just statistically relevant yeah yeah but I would love to talk about sexual trauma and abuse if we can kind of shift because unfortunately sexual trauma is so prevalent Um, it's more common than not and I actually saw a sex therapist when I was working through some sexual trauma she was tremendous she was amazing I was so thankful to have worked with her so if you can kind of talk about healing through sexual abuse and how to have a fulfilling and pleasurable sex life post-sexual trauma, because I know that could lead to a lot of physical and physiological implications. It is 100% possible to have a fantastic sex life even after experiencing a sexual trauma. Having a great therapist is a big piece of that. You deserve to be able to process that in a in a very non-judgmental, warm space. And a lot of times when you are forced to examine your relationship with your body, with your sexuality, you, you gain a better understanding of it. So I, I have worked with people who have come to me after experiencing a sexual trauma and left therapy with a better understanding of their sexuality. So it, it is possible and it is very, very challenging work. But possible. It is, it is so possible. And unfortunately, most women have experienced some kind of sexual assault and it is often embedded in the way that we experience and understand sexuality. Mm, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. It's really sad, but every single girlfriend I has had have been sexually assaulted and it's just so unfortunate, but it is something that is possible to work through. But like you said, it's not a straight and narrow path where it's like a quick fix and it's over and you're healed miraculously. Um, It takes a lot of commitment. Yes. Yes, it does. But it is possible, which is so important. Yes. Thank you for mentioning. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that you had a great therapist. How long do you think it took you to work through your trauma with your sex therapist? 
I still work through it. You know, I was with her for only a short amount of time. Unfortunately, yeah. my insurance changed after like four months. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did notice, you know, through talking about it and doing some somatic work and EMDR that it, I kind of explained it like it was this cloud looming over my head all the time. And I felt like it was there for years. And then through working consistently in therapy, doing hypnosis, meditating, doing all these um, like self-care tools that I learned in therapy. One day I'm just like, where is the cloud? It's gone. And it was like the best feeling ever. Oh, that's huge. That does remind me of my, my sex store days back in East Garden. A lot of women would come into the store their, their sex therapist and gynecologist would refer them there after working through sexual trauma, sexual assault. A lot of times just the, the plan was to work on being intimate just with themselves again. Yes. I love that. Establishing that safety with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and masturbation is so important. Just what a beautiful connection with your body. Yes, I, I I love it so much. That is actually what really helped me heal the sexual trauma is through yes. solo sex and self-touch. And actually something that I suggest um, if people feel ready and obviously doing it safely is I used to get massages. Um, they were with female massage therapists at first because then I was learning consent and allowing someone to touch me on my terms, giving someone permission and pushing myself that if they were massaging too hard, it's okay to speak up and say, can you go a little lighter? Like that was so hard for me to do at first, but now it comes secondhand nature. Yeah. And it's empowering. It's empowering to be able to speak up even in a, a situation like that, where, where you are paying for the service, right? <laughs> and you, you have every right to be able to say, I like this. I don't like that. It's still really hard. I think for, for a lot of women, it is that way. Yeah. I know it's, it's, a lot of women have a trouble saying no, yeah. <laughs> including myself. Oh, but you're working on it. Good for you. Yeah. And it's, you know, everyone has sexual issues, even someone who is in the sex industry, you know, you having a, a sexuality podcast where you're open to talking about these discussions and you're working through your own issues. No one has it all figured out. Sexuality is so complicated. Yes. <laughs> you feel confused or lost when it comes to your sexuality and then I feel like you're unfortunately in the right place yeah it's all a journey it's a beautiful process about learning who you are and what you like and what you don't like do you feel like your solo sex life got better after going to therapy definitely yeah I was more open I think therapy helps with so many things if you're with the right like clinician and practitioner yeah it just opens yeah. so many doors for you. And I feel like through masturbating is how I healed my sexual trauma. I have a whole toy box in my closet and like I get to explore and have fun and just decompress and relax and learn to let go. That's also a big thing for people that have been assaulted is the control. So when I took that control back into my hands, it just felt really empowering. Wow. Wow. Masturbation is so important, whether you're single, whether you're in a relationship, you should be masturbating with your partner. Why not? Yes, that's a good point that you brought up, Sarah, because 
I also hear that when someone's in a relationship, they feel like their partner shouldn't masturbate because why would they? They have me and then they feel insecure. Can you kind of debunk that? Oh boy, they, why should they masturbate? I should be enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are only so many sensations that another human can provide for you. So Mm -hmm. if there are toys that are able to do things like vibrate or heat up to a specific temperature, why wouldn't you like allow yourself to experience all of those sensations? Why wouldn't you open your relationship up to that? And when it comes to heterosexual sex, most women do not orgasm from penetration. Most women don't. I think like 25% of, of women do. So like, why not make sex more enjoyable for your partner by using vibrators on them with them? Yeah. Like, why, why are we limiting ourselves? Like this idea that you should just be able to come for my penis. Like, well, then most of us aren't coming anytime soon. <laughs> Sarah, you're, you are speaking to my heart because I always laugh out loud when typically heterosexual men will say, why aren't you coming? I've made every girl I've ever slept with come. And I'm just like, every girl you slept with is (laughs) Oh my gosh. I feel so bad for every girl they've ever slept with. And like, as if that was going to get you there, if that's what's going to get you aroused, like you're not as good as other women. Like, Oh, Oh my gosh, I'm squirting now. Like I, that's it. That's everyone. Unless you have like a specific shame kink, that's not going to work. Oh my gosh. Oh, Yes, Sarah, I feel like you need to teach like a masterclass to a lot of, at least in my past, heterosexual cis men that the do's and the don'ts and the turn-ons and the turn-offs, because so many of us are learning our sex education through porn, which is not real, and it's just leading to a lot of bad sex. Yeah, and porn is so fun. It's fantasy. It, it is not real. That is not how you can learn what, what your partner might or might not like. And a lot of the positions, you know, they're, they're very open so that you, you can see everything. They're maybe not the kinds of positions that are going to be super comfortable. Um, you know, when in person, not everyone likes facials. I think that every guy learns that that's how you end sex. And, you know, there's a time and a place. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you can ask for to have that conversation. Yes. Please have a conversation. The jackhammer pounding. I just, I just can't. But the the thing with vibrators is like holding a vibrator to someone's clit is is really not as much work as fingering someone or going down on them. It's a lot easier. So it's like, what work work smarter, not harder. It's like if you're gonna like if that's gonna get your partner off and it's gonna do it, it's gonna do the job, you're the one holding the vibrator. Like that orgasm is still from you. You're still experiencing mm-hmm. that oxytocin with your partner. You're holding them as they orgasm. You're making out with them, you're touching their boobs or, or whatever, like you're getting creative. Yes, I love that. That's so true. And a lot of toys now, even there's a company called WeVibe where they make toys meant for um, like, penis vagina sex that you don't have it's hands off so there's so many options now and like why um, unless I'm don't get me wrong there are I was talking to a friend of mine and she was just like you know I have sex in the same position every time we do it like twice a week and me and my husband are so happy like that's just what we like I'm like that's great there's that's wonderful as long as you know what you like and you're open to to discussing what your partner might want to try. Um, there's, 
oh, there are so many things to do. I love toys. And a lot of times I, I like to talk about male masturbators. That's another thing for working smarter, not harder. Sometimes you just don't feel like being penetrated, like in, like in your vagina, in your mouth and just jerking someone off with a sleeve. It's very, it's a very easy way to make someone come. Yeah. Big fan of the toys. I love those too. It's so, it's so much easier because even with me, Sarah, when I was in my early twenties, I used to be like a, um, blow job connoisseur. Like I could give head for like an hour now, for some reason, I can't do it for more than like five minutes max. So with the sleep, it makes your life so much easier. Wow. Giving head for an hour, just, just know, for girl. me, it sounds terrible. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Terrible. Horrible. Oh no. Oh gosh. Yeah, I know. But you know what the reason was? I think Sarah, now that I've psychoanalyzed it, like I thought as a young 20 something girl that my role in the bedroom was to please the man and his pleasure was first. He had to get off and my needs didn't matter. So now that I'm a little bit older approaching 30, I'm like, my needs matter. And if you can't meet my needs, then I'm going to meet my own needs. Yeah. And if you're with a guy who is not very accepting of that or is intimidated by that, then, you know, on to the next one. That's not the most actually compatible partner for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the turnoff, not being a um, selfless lover, you know, when it's only my orgasm matters. I don't care if you get off, I'm going to come and then roll over and go to sleep. For me personally, that doesn't fly with me anymore. (laughs) So when you were a blowjob queen, which you still are in your own right, okay, Um, but when you were, you know, back in the day, were you also asking or allowing partners to go down on you, or were you only going down on them? Only going down on them. You know, sadly, even my friends, um, a lot of times it's expected that the female will go down on the male, but Mm -hmm. they don't often reciprocate. And back when I was in my early 20s, I never asked a man to go down on me because I didn't think that he would, or I I thought it was a burden or too much to ask. And a lot of times there's this fear of like, what do I smell like? What do I taste like? If I'm... But you'll never hear a guy say, I don't want to get a blowjob because my dick doesn't smell like lavender. You'll never hear that. No guy has ever heard about what their balls smell like. And that's not fair. I know some of them should be. Some of them should be. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, yeah, it, it wouldn't hurt. But it's there, there's this really unfortunate double standard. And I'm here to say, ask for oral, whether you like just got back from the gym, whatever, you know, you yeah. a vagina is always going to taste and smell like a vagina yeah that's a beautiful thing yes it is it's perfectly fine and your vagina is beautiful the way that it is because it doesn't have to look like this tiny rose petal that you see in you know sex movies or on pornography um i just wish that us as women would be more confident and comfortable in the skin that we're in and not feel the need to conform to be desirable that's another thing, labia, like eyebrows, are sisters, not twins. <laughs> I love all these things. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, right? Yes, like, definitely. Oh, all vulvas, they're so beautiful. They're all so, so, so different. And I think that more people would benefit from 
seeing other people's genitals outside of porn. And I think about how every guy thinks that they have a really small penis, every single guy, because they're comparing it to the 10, 12 inch dicks they're seeing in porn. And, and it's just not the norm. I think the average in the U.S. is about five inches. Also, like, that's good. You know, I like my cervix where it is. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't like the, the 12 inches. We, it, it, um, I, don't, I don't think that we want it as much as men maybe think that we do. Yeah, I completely agree. Couldn't agree more. Mm. Yeah. Well said. Well, Sarah, what is one piece of advice or perhaps a toy or a book that you would suggest for our listeners to be more sex positive and feel more included and confident in their sexuality? Oh, there's so many. She Comes First by Ian Kerner. Everything you need to know about female orgasm. And I would refer other guys to to read that book. And I thought, I know everything about female orgasm. Like, I don't need to read it. And then I did. And it was just mind-blowing for me. And I and I just love that. She Comes First. She should. So that's a great book. And um, Tell Me What You Want by Justin Lay Miller. He's a psychologist and sex researcher. So that really breaks down the science of fantasy. So just, oh man, but when it comes to my biggest piece of sex advice is that you're, you're not weird. Whatever you like, there are so many people out there who feel the same way and who are very shy to express what they like. And if we were all a little bit more open about our kinks and desires, um, some stuff that we consider to be really kinky and taboo would feel very vanilla. Mm-hmm. Well said. Also, be a slut if you want to be a slut. Like, can we stop caring about body count? Like, fuck whoever you want safely, consensually. Yeah. Just fuck whoever you want. Most people in hetero marriages regret not sleeping with more people before getting married. So sleep with as many people while you can. Yeah. If you're into it. Yes. I actually heard something today that a woman on a podcast was saying, if you have high self-worth, you won't sleep with someone unless you've been dating for X amount of weeks, X amount of months. And I have to say that I had sex with someone the first night I met them and it was the best sex of my entire fucking life. I don't regret it. I would highly suggest if that feels good for you. (laughs) Good for you. And sometimes if you don't know the person very well, it's a little bit easier to ask for what you want. True. Yeah. You don't have to worry about ever seeing them again if you don't want to. You don't want to. You can boss someone around a little bit. Yeah. Have fun with it. Mix it up. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But, and if you're worried about what that guy thinks about you, it's like, if someone's going to sleep with you on the first date and then judge you for doing the same thing, like, goodbye. Well, we don't need that in our lives. <laughs> no. Boy, no, bye. Boy, <laughs> bye. Exactly. Cool. Well, Sarah, where can people find you? Do you have a website, social media? I'm sure people would love to check out your work after listening to today's episode. Yeah. So I am working on my website right now, but you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at The Kink Therapist, T-H-E-K-I-N-K-T-H-E-R-A-P-I-S-T, The Kink Therapist. I just opened up a practice in New York City. So if you're in the state of New York and looking for telehealth sex therapy, you can reach out to me on any of my social media channels. Very cool. I love that. Congratulations. Thank you so much. 
Yes, all the best for you, Sarah. I really appreciate you coming on today. I value your time, your insight, your open-mindedness and your humor as well. This has been such a pleasure and I'm really thankful to have you on tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun.